And uh, so we'll go to Exodus chapter 2. And uh, this morning, the actual title, the title I gave it, and title is a weak spot, I guess. You know, uh, in my life, sometimes I struggle for what a good title is. And then, like as it was last week, <laughs> I went home, I was cooking out on the grill. And uh, after I had preached Sunday morning's message, I struggled all week with some points that might have had some more continuity, and it all just come to me right there over the grill. Maybe I should have prepared the message while I was grilling out. It's been a happy thought. And I don't know, but uh, <laughs> uh, the actual title to this week's message is Seeds of Faith. Seeds of Faith. In the Bible, it uh, has quite a bit to say about Moses and uh, I'm going to attempt to try to preach my way through the book of Exodus. I don't know how far I'll get. It's, uh, it is a, a complicated book there, and uh, it's not often preached from. But the central theme of the book of Exodus, of course, is redemption. And we need to know more about redemption, but we also need to know more about God's law and how God viewed things and their original uh, mindset and the precedence that should be set in the Old Testament. And then as we get into the New Testament, the thinking, the mindset is that you should be familiar with the Old Testament already. And I believe in today's age, many people are not. They walk away with a view or what the Bible would call a lopsided view of who God is, what worship is about, to live there. This morning, Seeds of Faith, and we're going to deal with this baby Moses, and of course I'm going to wade into uh, hot topics of today. Uh, this was, uh, as we preached last week, uh, uh, we had uh, God-fearing women who inspired God-fearing mothers, who in turn inspired God-fearing children to serve God. And Moses would have been a God-fearing children or a child that had been raised in a good home, but they had been raised in troublous times, whereas the law of the land was that any boy baby be aborted at birth. And of course, we understand from the Word of God that life is precious. Life is given to us from God. And we have no business snuffing innocent life out in the womb. That is an absolute and that is a Bible truth. Uh, every human being that is born into this world that is conceived in the womb, if you want to go to Jeremiah chapter 1 where the Lord says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. So so yeah, you might have had the the of the individual formed, and as it grew and progressed, the soul and the spirit was already there, and God already had a purpose for that life uh, while it was even in the womb. And there is no human life that is without purpose in God's eyes. If you here, if you're breathing God's air, you're living on this earth, God has something specific for you to do. He has endowed you with a specific set of gifts in your life, and He wants you to perform a job that only you can do. Don't ever 
devil or the devil's children try to tell you that life is not worth it or that there is you are worthless in this life you are not every human being in this world today has worth and that god views that soul as a precious soul i don't care what pharaoh says i don't what this world says or how the world wants to view uh, life in the womb. I know how God views it and I'm going to stick with God. I'm going to stick with the Word of God and I'm going to stand for it till He comes to get us home. So verse 1 in chapter 2 and he says, And there was a man of the house of Levi, the Bible says that his name was Amram, and took to wife a daughter of Levi. Her name would have been Jochebed. And he says, And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child. Uh, I will comment on that if the Holy Spirit will bring it back to my attention. And she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and dubbed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. She put it in the hands of the Lord. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away, and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she called his name Moses. She said, Because I drew him out of the water. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew one of his brethren. Let us pray this morning. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you now. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your folks that have come out today. And I, I understand they've had a busy week. I understand they're tired. I understand they're hungry. They need something from the Word of God to help encourage them, to get them through, to uh, get them to the next filling station. Lord, help them today. If there be any lost... Lord, help us to be the instrument that you use to reconcile them to you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Jochebed, the mother of Moses, she only had a few short years here to raise Moses before she had to give him back to Pharaoh's daughter. And so my thought is, how did she have such an impact on his life for the Lord. And what I'm referring to, if you're familiar with the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 has this to say, because Moses shows up in the chapter of faith, heroes of the faith that had great faith. And this is what the Bible says, Hebrews 11, about verse 23. By faith, he says, Moses, when he was born, 
was in three months. So that means his mother practiced faith. That faith there, one of the ways to help you get a better grip on the definition of the word faith, faith oftentimes means uh, dependence on God. Dependence on God. And it's a good definition. Uh, sometimes people struggle with it. Well, believe, you got to believe, and that's faith. Yeah, it means total dependence on God. And Moses' mother, Jochebed, had to totally depend on God because the law said, throw your baby into the river and abort it. Let it be food for the alligators. One of the gods they worshipped down there was the crocodile. And the crocodile was in that river. And so you put a baby in there, throw him in there. He's going to be eaten. And that's what Pharaoh, that's what the devil wants. The devil's all for abortion. And so this woman, this woman of faith, she practiced faith. And faith is what you act upon. And she had faith. And that is dependence on God. She says, I don't care what the law of the land says. Uh, I'm not aborting this baby because she said, I see that he was a goodly child. Now, my mind immediately runs to the parable that Christ taught that there's about four types of soil. There's hard soil. There's stony soil. There's uh, thorn-choked soil. And then there's good so soil. Now, I'm going to go somewhere with that in a minute, and I need to throw that in there before I forget about it. But it's in our text. We said he was a goodly child. But let's move forward. He says he was hid three months of his parents, so that pulls the father was for this also. And he says because they saw he was a proper child. Here it says proper. In our text it said goodly. Okay. And they were not afraid of the king's commandments. Wow. Yeah, you're either going to fear two things in this life. You're either going to fear God or you're going to fear man. And if we have the right kind of faith, which is total dependence on God, you're going to fear God and what God has to say and how God feels about it, and you don't care what man says about it. And he says, by faith, now all of a sudden, Moses has total dependence on God. And here's what God says about it. When he was come to years, that's when he grew up, about 40 years old. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And he makes a choice, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ. Well, Moses is living before the law. How would he know something about Christ? Oh, that's the central theme of the Bible, Christ, the promised seed. I'm sure his mother taught him these things. We're going to bring it out in the text. And my thinking is that she had him maybe from the ages of one up to about the ages of five. You say, why? Well, it's not that I found that in black and white in the Word of God. But in my mind, horse sense, logic, Pharaoh's daughter probably wouldn't want nothing to do with him until he was ready for the first grade. Ready for school. And the Bible does say he was educated in the education of Egypt of that day, the best education. Uh, he was very gifted. And so that's my thinking on that. Maybe she kept him till he was three. It'll work that way, too. I'm going to share with you some info I found this week. But let me choose, let me finish this. And he says, uh, 
choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God and to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He, he, he chose not to enjoy pleasures and sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. So he had to make a choice, and he did. He made the right choice. For he had respect under the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. How was he able to make the right choices? I believe a lot of that had to do with his mother over here. Today, I see a lot of children being ruined, buckle in, by their parents. I do because of their poor training practices. That's what's wrong with our country. That's what's wrong with our world. Uh, children are not being brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We've turned this generation into a godless generation because we allow the devil to get into the home. And the devil, as tricky as he is, he just come right on in. And I see a lot of that. And the Bible commands us, the children of light, God's children, to train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's a promise. Children are not to be left to themselves. I got this. This data is compiled by the Rausch Foundation. And it found that 85% of a person's brain is developed by the time they are five years old. I firmly believe that. As a result, these first years of life are critical to healthy early childhood development. As with physical development, cognitive Social and emotional milestones represent important steps forward in a child's development. Here are some common cognitive milestones that are to be reached between the ages of zero to five. I didn't uh, reproduce all of that, but they're saying by the age of three that children, well, I have it. It's in my first point. Let me give it to you now. A child knows 300 words by the age two. And 3,000 words by age three. By age five, a child should know the 8,000-word vocabulary of their King James Bible. Age five. And that's why I've got this. Uh, Moses, his mother, she had him at least three years. That's potty trained. You know, not no longer, a you know, he's a toddler, potty trained, but I think he kept him just a little longer. I could be wrong. You might have an opinion. Now, I probably had him until he was done nursing, potty trained. Okay, that's three. That, not a problem. Uh, I wouldn't fall out with you on that. But my point is, <laughs> she had him for longer than nine months, and she taught him kindergarten is where I'm going with it. And then we're going to bring this thing out. Now, also, I see this, and I, I, I see that uh, here's what the Bible says about child rearing. And I don't, I'm not saying anybody needs help here, but sometimes I hear that 
children stress parents out. They're like, oh, I'm just so, my child is such a monster. It's a monster. Well, the Bible says it's not supposed to work that way. Watch this. Proverbs 29, 17 says, correct thy son and he shall give thee rest. I made a comment last week about that uh, mom and dad could always take us to the grocery store. And it wasn't them that were stressed out, worrying about what kind of little monsters we'd be. It was us that was stressed out, hoping that we didn't do anything or forget anything that our mom and dad had told us because we knew what that meant when we got home. So, oh, I think that's cruel. No, that's called... (laughs) Parents needing rest. (laughs) And so they correct their children and they teach them. They till the soil and teach them and discipline that little soil. Because those first five years are the most important in their life. You've also heard me say that I believe in this youth choir that we've started. You did note that it was the children that were one to four to five that got up and volunteered to sing. I don't think nobody begged them nobody had to bribe them your parents ain't bribing them are you okay they did that you want to know why it's because we've been able to work with them since they were born they were born since we've been here the older ones i didn't see none of the older ones volunteering to sing this morning you want to know why they were over the age five or six before we was able to get started on except for christopher and cheyenne i think they were no you were three yeah all right, and Christopher was four. It was already too late. <laughs> too late. No. You see, these early years are the most important years. How was Jochebed, Moses' mother, able to have such a strong impact in his life? And I'm getting ready to say something controversial, but I'll say it with a smile on my face and not with a mean look on my face like I'm mad at somebody. Jochebed understood the importance of kindergarten. I don't know if you ever thought about that. I don't know if you understand one of the big hot topics right now, especially in Florida. Governor DeSantis signed a bill stating that he didn't want no teacher talking about gender identity from kindergarten to what? Third grade. Why? Oh, I'm going to tell you why. Jochebed knew why. Do you know why? You, do you want to know why the LGBTQ community got so mad about that and they're stomping mad? It got quiet. You're all scared, ain't you? That's right. Look, we, we got to cover this. This is why people are ignorant of this. The word kindergarten is a German word. You want to know what its literal meaning is? Child garden child garden and the devil's people they understood and they understand that the earlier that they can indoctrinate or plant the seed of gender confusion into your children that seed has a good possibility to grow The Bible says that bad words, he said, they work like a canker. A canker is a cancer to corrupt. The Bible also says that evil communication corrupts good manner. I thought about this yesterday. Sometimes people choose to adopt. Uh, We never did. Uh, We had two children, wanted more. 
God only give us two, probably because I couldn't handle no more. And that's okay, because Jen had three. I would be, I'd be one, and one in heaven. And that's okay also. But I was thinking, what if I had to adopt? What ages would I want to adopt? And hands down, I believe that if I had to adopt a child, I would adopt a child from the age of zero up to five. After that, they're set. The seeds have been planted. I'm not saying if you adopt a child that's older than that, it's wrong. I'm just telling you my preference. (laughs) Preference, all right? I like my steak medium, you know. Uh, Some people like it well done. I'm telling you my preference. Why is that? Because by the age of five, 85% of a child's brain has been developed. That means seeds, thoughts, education, what that child has observed has been implanted into that mind. That's why, parents, it's real important uh, to guard your children and be selective in what they watch on TV and what you're watching on TV in front of them. They don't need to see half this mess that we got on our TV waves today. They definitely don't need to be left alone with YouTube and Goo Goo and Gaga or whatever else they got out. I'm behind times. I'm still trying to figure out how... Uh, a dad can give me $100 from up there through a cash app and it gets in uh, Google app and pay cash. And I, it's, I'm still trying to put a plug a phone cord into my phone because to make sure it's got internet access. The point is, <laughs> yeah, I was older than five when the internet come out. So I've been set and ruined. What they're observing, what they're seeing is going into them. And by the time they're five, their mind is 85% developed. So what words the child's verbal capacity is filled with in the first five years is the parent's choice. That's why some little kids can cuss worse than an adult. You want to know why? Because that's what they hear in the home. I still, some of the words these kids use, I have to look them up. I don't know them. I've not heard them. I wasn't raised like that. Now, sometimes folks come from bad backgrounds. They've lived life. They're from the, the kingdom of darkness. They got saved, and all of a sudden their children are over five. Guess what? I tell all my converts, you've got a battle on your hands. Buckle up. Because you're going to have to ride some of this stuff out. It is so important to teach your children right between the ages of one and five. Because that's going to make up 85% of what they know, do, and where they go. If church ain't important for you, it won't be for them. If what, <laughs> I mean, you knew I was going to get that in there. We're seeing too many kids ruined. Because of poor training practices. And then we wonder, where are the Moseses of today? Well, they've probably been aborted. If they can make it through that process, we're so cold on God that we've got them filled with the world and the evil seed. The Bible, one of the things we'll learn about, if God will let us, is that God wouldn't allow the children of Israel to mix seed in their field. You weren't allowed to mix corn and wheat, you know. Not allowed to 
throw your cucumbers in with the corn, you know, so it could grow up the corn stalks and all that stuff. That's not how it was supposed to be done. God, and there was a picture to that. There was a meaning to that. You don't mix evil seed with good seed. You want to plant good seed. I believe that Jochebed, she knew the importance of planting the seed sooner rather than later. I think she understood about kindergarten, the child garden. And I also believe that she understood that you reap what you sow. It's a law in the Bible. And young minds are the most fertile gardens to plant seeds. That's why your LGBTQ, whatever else you're going to add to it, wants your kids in kindergarten. Parents, I would challenge some of you. Do you know your child's teacher? Ever met her? Ever sat down with her at a parent-teacher's meeting? What's teaching your child? Are they good? Are they not good? How are they turned? Do you trust them? Do you not? Sometimes in here, and people come in and they bring their children, and we've got young ladies, class for young ladies, your mothers. Hey, if you're curious, like, I want to know what's going on at class. Come in there. Take a class. Some of your men want to know, well, I want to know what's going on in the teen class. What, what are they teaching? Well, you can sit in on one. I mean, if a school system doesn't want the parents to observe a class, there's a problem. Something ain't right. And I know Jochebed, she understood the importance of kindergarten. I hope this morning you enjoy or understand that importance of kindergarten. Let me get to the next point. I won't be long. She did not hide God from Moses. She did not hide God from Moses. Near as I can tell, Jochebed planted two seeds. Now think with me for a moment. I took you to the chapter of faith. And it says, by faith, Moses. Now, Jesus said that faith, if we had the faith as a what? A grain of mustard seed. There's a seed. Faith is likened to a seed. There was a song we used to sing years ago, my brothers and I called A Little Bit of Faith. It might be on our famous hit CD, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm being funny. You never could get that off the ground. But that was a good song written by Gary Duty talking about a little bit of faith. It just takes a little bit of faith to bring the giant down. My thought as I begin to think about this message was that seed of faith, all she had to do was to plant the seed of faith. She planted that in the life of Moses when he was just a baby. Babies are not too young to learn Christ. The babies, the infants, it's okay for them to be in the sanctuary. It's okay for them to hear preaching. Little Caleb, uh, my brother's youngest child, knows my voice. Before he ever met me, he knew who I was because every Sunday they listened to me preach. And he was very familiar with my voice. 
Now, they listen because they like it when I tell stories when we was kids growing up. I don't think I have any. At least none come to mind this morning that is applicable to what we're talking about. She planted the seed of faith. She planted the seed of the Word of God. God's Word, because Moses knew who God was, but she did not hide God from him. Let me give you some Bible on that. Psalms chapter 78. Psalm 78. Psalm 78. Verses 1 and 2 and 3. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears, ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and know, and our fathers have told us we will not hide them from their children. We have no business hiding God from our children. And I believe it to be very, you parents, listen to me, it's very, very, very important between the ages of one and five that those children know about God. Jochebed did not hide God from Moses. She educated him in the best things, God's word, the incorruptible seed. She taught her son, in our text, we can see this, she taught her son to have sympathy with the slaves. Did you see that there in verse 11? When he come of age, Israel was in slavery. And by the way, just so we can clear that up, God's against slavery. It's not right. And she taught him to be have sympathy with the slaves. Verse 11, And he came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren. He identified with his people. All that Egypt could do, all that Egypt could throw at him, could not influence him because 85% of his development had happened between ages 1, ages 5, and Mama seen that he had the seed of faith put in there. And it began to grow. It started like a grain of mustard seed. But the Bible says it'll grow and become a Tree, tree of life. What do we call our children? Seedlings, little trees, little twigs. Amen. Amen. It's important. Now all our children are important. But I'd be a fool to think we could keep all of them. But I want to have a better and a greater impact on the younger ones. And get the seed of faith planted into him. And his mother did. I know she did because he was sympathetic with the slave. Number two, she taught him to despise injustice. And verse 12, he seen that this Egyptian was getting ready to kill his brethren. And he was, did not like it. It was not just. And he took action. She taught him that folly or that the folly of anger. Remember? Then the next day he come out and the two of his brethren were fighting against each other and so he tried to reconcile that. His mother had taught him about the folly of anger. Keep your anger in check. And she had taught him to defend the weak. Verse 17. Remember when he took off from Egypt? 
He got there in Midian, and the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered his flocks. That had been Jethro's daughters. They were being bullied by the herdsmen. And Moses stood up in defense of the weak. Egypt didn't teach him that. Egypt didn't teach him to identify with his people. Egypt didn't teach him uh, about the importance of injustice. Egypt didn't teach him that it was wrong to have slaves. Uh, his mama had taught him that. And the text bears that out. She did not hide God from Moses. So she educated him. The right kind of educating during the kindergarten years, the child garden years, the spring of life. That's when we plant gardens, isn't it? But then she exposed him. Exposure's good. You parents say, I just want my child socialized. They need socialization. There's no better socialization and exposure than around God's people and around the Word of God. You can practice that in your homes, on family altar in the evening. You can practice that in church on Sunday and get involved. And then if you're homeschooled, you can practice that during the school time. The right kind of exposure, exposure's good, your children, but the right kind of exposure. And Moses' mother exposed him to the power of God. I know she told him about uh, God keeping him alive on that river. I already shared with you that there was crocodiles in that river. They could have easily ate him. She hid him for three months. She did the best that she could do. And then when the time comes, she had to put him in God's hands. That's called faith. That's called total dependence on God. She's seen this child that God had given her and seen that he was a goodly child. He had good soil. God was going to do something in his life. The mother knows these things. And she says, there's nothing more I can do. I'm going to put him in the hands of God and watch over him and see what happens. And then God stepped in. She exposed him to the power of God. She exposed him to what God can do when you depend on him even though the law of the land says kill your baby boys every adult has to work as a slave what God she said she shared with him how God Pharaoh's daughter paid her wages to stay at home and to nurse her own child that's God that's the power of God Sometimes I'm wondering if we're not playing with the right kind of faith. She exposed him to the power of God. She exposed him to the presence of God. She taught him about his people. He identified with his people when he came of age. He could have chosen the riches of Egypt. He was next in line to sit on the throne. And he says, I ain't doing that. That's not my purpose in life. God's got something else better for me. And he chose to esteem the reproach of the cross rather than the riches of Egypt. Now how'd that happen? He learned about it in kindergarten. That's how it happened.
exposed him to the presence of God, how God had spoken to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But then she exposed him to the people of God. He was part of God's chosen people. That's why he said, I'm siding with them. Quite a man. If my memory serves me correct, I think the name Moses is mentioned over 748 times in the Bible. The quote I was trying to quote last week and failed miserably was, The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. We hear a lot about Moses. But you can't talk about Moses unless you talk about Jochebed, his mother. Mothers are important. I didn't mean for this to be Mother's Day message. I meant for it to be seeds of faith are important to plant in our children. So I was really trying to preach on children. And how important the babies are in those early years and what they're exposed to. Because 85% of their development is set by the age five. <clears throat> but then she evangelized him. That's right. The first time your children hear about Jesus shouldn't be from the preacher, should be from you. Should be from you, praying over the meals at the table. Now, I've had the privilege. Now, there are <laughs> ingenious ways around some of this, and I've had the privilege to work with some of y'all's children from babies. Now, that was wise. We've watched them. Notice how I'm taking credit for all that, don't you? <laughs> Here's generally how that goes. Jenny watches them. I leave when they're being dropped off. I go to, you know, praying, studying, coffee drinking. I come back at lunch. I expect lunch to be made, house clean. And then I sit down and I teach the children how to pray over the meal. I spend some time. I play the guitar with them, play with them a little bit. And when they get rowdy, then I leave because I got more pastoring things to do. And then I come back somewhere right before they're picked up or maybe a little after and like, mm. Man, that was a hard day today. Those kids wore me out. If you can get you a nanny that is godly, hey, you're doing something. That's good. Price is far above rubies because they will help you plant the seed of faith in your children. Between the ages of one and five. She evangelized him according to Hebrews chapter 11. It was the seed of faith, dependence on God. And she told him about Jesus because why would he choose to bear the reproach of Christ rather than the pleasures of sin for a season had his mother, because it wasn't Pharaoh's daughter that was telling him about Jesus. It wasn't Pharaoh. It was his mother. She evangelized him. And look where that seed, because it was planted in goodly soil. Now, here's why I said this about these soils. You could do everything right, and the child still come of age and choose to do wrong. You want to know why? They could have been stony soil. They could have been thorny soil. They could have been hard soil. 
but then there's good. You're to sow the seed on all those people types. Your child will be one of the four. Now you can also look at it like this. There's been seasons in my life where I had hard soil, couldn't do nothing with me. Dad had a phrase, old pappy. Phrase, buy you books and buy you books and all you do is eat the pages. <laughs> what was he saying? I can't teach you anything. I think somebody wrote a song about that. Can't, can't teach me nothing, right? No, okay. Well, then let's write one. <laughs> then there's been times in my life where my ground was stony. And so I listened. It took root, but then all of a sudden it died quickly. But then there's been other times in my life where the cares of this life choked out the good stuff that had been planted in me. So you can view it that way too. And I believe that's why God says discipline that child. That means plow the soil, disc the soil, till the soil, work the soil. Y'all did that when you had gardens, right? Had, wasn't one of your jobs as a kid to get all the rocks out of the garden? Well, my dad plowed it, rototilled it. I, that was one of my jobs. And then you weed the garden. It takes work. That's called discipline. That's what brings you rest. Raising children. But the is important and the seed of faith is important it starts small a little bit but it'll grow into a great faith what I'm saying is Moses did not wake up at 40 years old and say <clears throat> well wow God it's a great day drinking his coffee I think I'm gonna decide to be good today that's not how it happens and if you're raising your children just thinking that good's going to happen, you've missed the boat. It takes work. And ages one through five, even in the crib, zero, zero to five, is the most important. Eighty-five percent of that child's mind will be developed by the time they're five. That's why when parents don't think church is important, until their child becomes a troubled teen, there's not a lot you can do for that. It's already set. Today's the day of salvation. If we want the best for our children, we should use the best seed, God's Word. The Bible is true. You reap what you sow. If you sow faith, it'll start small, but then it grows into the greatest of herbs, the Bible says, and becometh a tree. Yeah, amen. The seed of faith needs to be planted as early as possible. Kindergarten is important. And I don't want nobody fooling with my kids about gender identities and politics and all that nonsense. Never especially in kindergarten because the devil knows that that's where the seed's planted.
Us Christians need to know that too and take measures to work against that, making sure we plant the right seed in our children. Let us stand.